You just said something that also causes some issues. My wife is not a problem I need to fix. I had to learn that. She is made in the image of God. She is loved by Him. She is a gift to me. But she's not a problem I need to fix. And for the first 10, 15 years of my marriage, I was trying to fix her. Hi, my name is Callie, and on this podcast, hindsight is everything. Our goal is to look back on seasons we've been through and help prepare those about to face the same things. There's something powerful in knowing you're not alone and knowing someone has gone before you. So I gather up some great people, I ask them all the questions I can think of, and then, hopefully, by the end, we're better than when we started. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome to No One Told Me. first few years of marriage, they're just a lot of figuring out the other person, how they fold their underwear, why they won't load the dishwasher correctly, uh, do I actually need to cook every night, and if I stare at your french fries long enough, will you give me one? These are the big questions. But as your rhythms sync up and your days somehow get shorter and fuller at the same time, you change. And unless you're incredibly on top of things, you forget to take time to keep getting to know each other understanding each other. You just let life sweep you along. I asked someone who has spoken a huge amount of wisdom into my life, jump on here with us today. He's honestly someone who many people turn to for insight and direction. And really, this interview is in my top five favorites. I hope you love today's podcast on love. You see what I did there? Did you enjoy that? Here's No One Told Me How to Be a Spouse. All right. Now, this No One Told Me episode is very special because, one, we've only had one other male on No One Told Me other than Mr. Don Wilson, who I'm here with today. And he seems to think that we don't allow males on this podcast. Is that true? Well, the record speaks. <laughs> so here's the thing. I have known Don. It's even weird for me to call him that because I grew up calling him Nuthead. And so to call him by his actual name is strange for me. But I've known him since some of my earliest memories. And I know that growing up for me, whenever I needed advice, especially in my adult life, when I've needed advice or insight or some wisdom, he is the person that I always ask, hey, do you have a minute? And I love the privilege that it is to sit down and talk through some of life's big things with Don. So I thought, who better to have on the podcast to talk to us about marriage than Nuthead himself? So I'm excited he's here today. And it's Mr. Nuthead. Mr. Nuthead. I really yes. have to learn to respect my elders. I yes. apologize for that. And we must we must admit that Nuthead is not a sign of disrespect, but endearment. Exactly. See? You've been calling me that since you were like 18 months old. That's so true. Now, if I was calling you doofus... We'd have that to talk. Would be a, yeah, we'd have to. Yeah, we would have issues. <laughs> so, Nuthead, for us, tell us a little bit of your background, what you've been doing your whole life, and your family. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Born and raised in Knoxville. 
married a girl from Knoxville in uh, the late 70s, moved to California for five years, trained in ministry and church work out there, came back to Severe Heights Baptist in August of 1982 as a student pastor. I have done everything at Severe Heights except lead music, and it is a contractual obligation that I never do that. You've already opted out of that? No, they opted out for me. <laughs> it wasn't your choice. No. <laughs> I make a joyful noise, but it's just a noise. It's Lord. just a noise. Yes. <laughs> right now, I do pastoral counseling and Bible teaching. The pastoral counseling, what we do is we're not clinical, we're not therapists, we just kind of help people walk toward Jesus through whatever's going on in their life. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I've been doing for the past five or six years. And you're married to Miss Janie. Miss Janie for 41 plus years. That is awesome. We have one son, uh, Matthew, who's married to Savannah, and they have three grandchildren for us to spoil. And you love that life. Yes. Kaylee is 12. Noah is six, and Jonah is two. That is the best. And we have two dogs. Uh, named? Lola and Brewster. Do you love them? Yes. Most days? No, I love them all the time. That's a big statement. Yes. Because most people don't love their dogs no, all the time. No, I love our dogs, because in order to be married to Miss Cheney, I have to love dogs. <laughs> so she's trained you with that yeah, answer. Yeah, that was part of the marriage vows. Which leads to our topic today, which is marriage. I know you do a lot of marriage counseling, and obviously you have figured a lot about marriage out over the past 41 plus years. Primarily by making mistakes. Which is why we need you now, so we don't make the there mistakes. There you go. Okay. <laughs> then I am highly qualified. Let's jump in. Okay. Because you have done counseling for so long, I know that a lot of it has revolved around couples coming in and asking for your wisdom and guidance. Along those lines, what's the biggest misconception many people have about marriage? I think the biggest challenge that I, Janie and I faced and other couples face is the misconception that it shouldn't be this hard. Mm -hmm. uh, marriage is really, really hard work over a really long time. And the idea that once we're married, everything should be great, nothing good comes out that way. And marriage is relationships, especially marriage, is just maybe the hardest work we do with other people. And it takes consistency, and it's just, it's just hard work. Is that one way of saying that arguing and disagreements are okay? It's going to yeah. happen. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. You can't have two people living together in covenant over the long haul and there not be disagreements and conflict. Mm -hmm. The challenge is to make sure you're, you resolve the conflict in a healthy manner. Because mm -hmm. let me tell you, when Ryan and I got married, it was a hard road to hoe when I realized how difficult it is to live with a boy. Well, uh, Ryan is a saint. Uh, no, he's not. Listen. Uh, Y'all been married how long? <laughs> We've been married, it'll be eight years this summer. Okay, 10 years he gets sainthood. Okay, that's okay. fair. That I will say, it took someone special to have to, to get to uh, marry me and put up with me for the rest of their lives. But that's true of every marriage, both husband and wife, mm -hmm. to persevere and put up with the other person over the course of your life is a tremendous opportunity, but it's also a tremendous challenge. And that's kind of what we deal with in counseling. When people come in, we're going to talk about what is marriage. Mm -hmm. Marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract. Marriage is a covenant between you and God. And then it's a promise and a covenant between you and the other person to work this out over the rest of our lives, no matter what comes up. And that requires a mindset that whatever comes up, we're going to go through it together. Mm -hmm. 
And that requires that you do the hard work. And so I think the biggest misconception is that I think sometimes in today's culture, we kind of think, well, if this doesn't work out, we'll try something else. Mm -hmm. But marriage in God's eyes is not that. Marriage is, well, it goes back to the purpose of marriage. The ultimate purpose of marriage is for you and Ryan's, y'all's marriage, to be a picture of salvation to your children and to the rest of the world. It's to show them the faithfulness of God. And so by sticking to it and going through it, kind of like Jesus did on the cross, your marriage becomes a witnessing tool, Mm -hmm. an effective evangelism tool to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's why it becomes such hard work. Well, it's kind of what you said just a second ago when you talked about basically we're on the same team. We are always on the same team. And I know I forget that in day-to-day goings-on, either with the kids or when we're trying to make decisions about trips or budgets or whatever it might be, these big decisions, we're ultimately on the same team always. Are you telling me then that the us-them mentality seeps into your home? Absolutely. And you start choosing up sides Mm -hmm. and keeping score? Unfortunately, especially when we got into uh, parenting. <laughs> oh, yeah. You throw kids into this you mix. You do. It changes everything. <laughs> and it would be different if they were all the same, mm-hmm. but they're each one different. Mm-hmm. And so they throw a whole nother thing. Yeah. Kids are crazy. It is. And we're going to get to that here in just a few more questions. But okay. what are a couple of the most common challenges marriages will face? Well, I think the first is that idea of the misunderstanding or the rejection of the idea of covenant commitment and just saying, no, that's not who we are. That's not the way we're going to do this. Secondly, I think the one that I deal with most in in, in Janie and I in our relationship and in counseling is poor communication, and poor communication leads to conflict, and then the conflict never gets resolved in a healthy way, and it just lies there. And creates... And gets bigger. It gets bigger. Exactly. What's a healthy way to resolve conflict? Ooh, that's hard. I know. I threw you a curveball one because I can think of ways, and I'll tell you this, and I'm interested to see how you respond. I've said it before, the don't go to bed angry. Sometimes Mm. I need to go to bed without talking about it because I'm going to say ugly things. But I think that goes back to where you learn the other person. Mm -hmm. For Janie and I, when there's conflict, she wants to resolve it right now in the moment. Mm. I need to go process because if I do it in a moment, I'm probably going to be angry. What I failed to do early in our marriage was she started giving me the time to go process. And then I would go process and God would say, Don, you're an idiot. You're sinful. And I would do my business with God. But then I'd never go back and resolve it with her. Mm -hmm. And she's standing over there thinking that I'm still upset. Mm -hmm. And so I had to learn that I had to go back and communicate. I think the biggest thing in communication is, and I will say this, it's going to sound strange, is to not take conflict personally and not get upset and emotionally invested in it. If I can step back and say, listen, I'm committed to you long term in a love relationship. This is not going to be a major issue. And the first thing I have to do as a, as a man, because men don't do this well, I have to stop and I have to disconnect and I have to listen to my wife and listen to her heart. Because as a man, I tend to want to solve the problem. And most times when there's conflict, she does not want me to solve the problem. 
I just she, need you to feel what I feel. Yes. Yeah. And I don't do well with that. Mm. I don't, the whole feelings thing, no, give me a hammer and a nail and I'll, I'll hammer the nail, mm-hmm. but don't, I, don't ask me how I feel about it. Don't ask you to talk to the nail. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've done this before. Yes. Well, see, what Ryan and I have learned just recently, and you said exactly what I haven't been able to put a finger on, is that in the grand scheme of our entire lives, we're only eight years into this. And in Ooh. the grand scheme of our entire lives, what we are arguing about right now, what seems so big right now is not big in the grand scheme. Now, it feels big to me right now. That's kind of Ryan's viewpoint is we, this happened, we're moving on, we're done. Right. To me, I need, I'm a processor. And in the moment, I'm not going to see the big picture. I'm only going to see what's bothering me. But if you let me sleep on it, or you let me go think about it, I'll come back and I'll know I'm the one that probably needs to fix it. You just said something that also causes some issues. My wife is not a problem I need to fix. I had to learn that. She is made in the image of God. She is loved by Him. She is a gift to me. But she's not a problem I need to fix. And for the first 10, 15 years of my marriage, I was trying to fix her. And she knew it. And then I started trying to love her for who she was. Where she was. Where she was. And it transformed our relationship. But it took I'm a slow learner, so it took 15 years for I me to I could have told it. you that. You should have asked me. Oh, thanks. <laughs> okay, we're going to stop now and pray for Ryan. <laughs> He's living a great life. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. But you did, um, you know, we touched on that marriage is a covenant and that sometimes we can view it a little flippantly and as something that if it doesn't work out, doesn't work out, we'll move on. But how can we protect that covenant? How can we actively and intentionally do things that are protecting the commitment in our marriage that we're making? Well, I think first and foremost, I have to understand and Janie has to understand. And then we as a couple understand the Holy Spirit of God is involved in this. It's not just the two of us. It's the three of us. And we have to both individually be committed to following him. Greatest commandment, love God with everything you got, all your guts, right? And then love your neighbors yourself. The first relationship that has to occur in is in marriage. If I'm loving Christ with everything I got, then I'm going to love my wife sacrificially as Christ loved the church. If that's wrong, I'm not going to love her the way I need to. I'm going to start to love her selfishly. And here's one of the things that Janie and I have tried to learn. If I'm loving Christ the way I need to, then my worth and my value and my identity and my significance are flowing from Him. I'm not trying to get that from Janie. Therefore, I'm then free to love her the way Christ wants me to. But if I'm trying to get those things from her, she can't do that because she's not perfect. Mm -hmm. She doesn't love me with a perfect love. And I'm always going to be disappointed So when I'm doing well with Jesus and I'm finding that identity and that significance and that purpose with him, then I'm free to love her the way I'm supposed to. Mm -hmm. And I'm not loving her for selfish interests. I'm saying to Jesus, how do you want me to love her today Mm -hmm. the way you do so that I show her who you are? And that frees me up, see, and it frees her up. Mm -hmm. We're not bound up in all of these false expectations and all of those kind of things. When you say love sacrificially, what does that look like every day? 
This was an issue early in our marriage. I'm a neat freak bordering on OCD. My wife lives in piles. It's not a character flaw, which early in our marriage, I thought it was. You have to separate that out. And I had to, I thought, well, the only way I can be happy is if I go home and the house is spotless. Mm. Well, because my wife is not, those are not her values. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'd go home and the house would be, we had a son and chaos. Mm-hmm. And I'd walk in and immediately get tense. And she would sense that. Feel that from you. Mm-hmm. And then our son would sense that. And we just had great nights together. Yes, I can imagine yes. the fun that was had. Yeah. <laughs> but see, once I begin to understand, at that stage of life in that season, my expectations there were totally unrealistic because I tied them to her heart. They didn't have anything to do with her heart. Mm-hmm. It had to do with what I wanted. Sacrificial love says whether or not the house is spotless and everything in order is really not an issue about my long-term happiness, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I just had to let go of that expectation Mm -hmm. and love my wife and my son where they were at during that season. That's sacrificial. That's an example of sacrificial love. To lay that expectation down and go into that with the heart of a servant, not with the heart of a consumer. Mm -hmm. And that even is freeing. I mean, yeah, and that's exactly what you're talking about is when you start loving enough to sacrifice, there's freedom in that. Yes. So we love enough to sacrifice. What else do you think? I I think you go back to the biblical roles in marriage. Each person, the the husband and the wife, understanding that roles don't have anything in God's eyes to do with value. They have to do with design. And then my wife loves, she she loves me by honoring and respecting me. I love her by sacrificially giving to her and loving her the way Christ loved the church. When I'm doing that and she's, she's fulfilling her role, uh, marriage is really good. And as a part of that understanding, what makes them feel loved? Yes. Like the, it's yes. different for everybody. Yeah. Like for Janie, it's touch mm-hmm. and words of affirmation. I don't do either one of those well. Mm-hmm. But you've learned to, I bet. Well, about six months ago, I'm sitting here in the office. <laughs> I'd been doing marriage counseling, and God the Holy Spirit told me, go get flowers to take home to your wife. Mm. And I went, nah. And so I sat here, and, and 30 minutes later, he said, go get flowers and take home to Janie. You know, for her, that act would communicate your love and your cherishing of her. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll call the florist and send them. No, Don, that's not what I ask you to do. So I left the office, went over to the floors, got a bouquet of roses and an arrangement. I walked into the house in the middle of the day with nothing going on and walked into the bedroom where she was and handed them to her and said, I love you. And she started crying. I believe it. I absolutely believe that. We've been married 40 years. And she said, you've never done this. You can still surprise her. And I went, well, that's a sad statement on me. For me... That's the way I spoke love to her, the way she heard it, in the language Mm -hmm. she hears, not the one I speak. And a lot of times we forget to pay attention to how the the language the other person is talking. Well, especially if you've been together, say, 40 years, you know, it's easy to lose that with time. Yeah. Plus, the, the, the other perk of that was I got patted on the back and told what a great guy I was. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That was the purpose. And that's right? love for you. Well, but it was. And it was a something that normally I would not even think of doing, mm-hmm. but by, again, listening to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and not putting him away. 
And I think that was an act of obedience on my part, mm-hmm. just to obey God. To take those steps. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even if it is the middle of the day and there's it, no real reason. It, yeah, and it's outside my comfort zone. So if we're going to protect our marriages, we're going to love sacrificially, we're going to work hard at loving well, we're going to understand the way that person needs to be loved, and what else? Again, I got to go back to stay under the pressure. The word perseverance in the Bible, in the New Testament, means to stay under the pressure. We live in a culture that says alleviate, eliminate pressure, wherever it's coming from. The reality is the pressure of life is where God shapes us and transforms us to become more like Him and less like us. That's the whole point anyway, isn't it? So that you don't see Nuthead when you look at me, but you see Jesus. Mm -hmm. The more you see Jesus, the more you want Him. Mm-hmm. I got to do that for my wife. She's got to do that for me. I got to do that for my neighbor. I got to do that for my coworker. And that is that perseverance, that endurance, old school world mm-hmm. word, stick to itiveness, sticking to the task, mm-hmm. staying on point. I think you young folks call it being intentional, mm-hmm. and you have to consistently do that. There are words that just keep ringing in my head throughout life, and especially in marriage. Perseverance, consistency, in and of themselves isolated, they sound boring, but over time, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, they add depth and width and breadth and all of those things to our lives. And that's what gets us to the end of the road. And we look back and go, this has really been good Mm -hmm. all along the way. Mm -hmm. Each moment wasn't good. But collectively, Altogether. it's been really good. Mm-hmm. And after 41 years, Janie and I are kind of at this life stage where we're kind of going, this has really been good. We've gotten to this point where we enjoy spending time with each other, mm-hmm. just the two of us talking. Mm-hmm. That's a good deal. Especially right? after 41 years. That's yeah. a great deal. Yeah. There's a reason people say, I want to be on a, in a rocking chair on a front porch with you. They don't say, I want to be at a movie with you. I want to be yes. out with you. They literally say, it seems like the dream is, I want, when we're 90 years old, I want to be on a rocking chair on a porch with you. The other night, Friday night, we have been watching what we eat. Mm. That's so fun. Well, yes. It has been, actually, because mm-hmm. we've been doing it together. We we had a cheat night. Mm-hmm. So her cheat night is Mexican food. I'm with her on that. I'm with so her. we go to a restaurant and we cheat. We have whatever we want, and we just sit and talk for an hour. Mm-hmm. Get caught up. There's something to it. Yeah, and then we had the most incredible dessert. What was it? Oh, I can't tell you. Okay, you're saving it. Listen, we ordered this brownie Mexican restaurant mm-hmm. hot brownie on a sizzling cast iron plate with ice cream, mm-hmm. and then some kind of a butter sauce, hot. Poured on top. You can't go wrong. I mean, what could be wrong with that? Well, all I know, it may have been the best dessert I've ever eaten in my life. And that's saying a lot because, I mean, you, you've you been around, Nuthead. Well, to and, say it's uh, yes, quite, and so I enjoy sweetly. eating. <laughs> but this was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. We sat there, both of us started eating it and kind of were going, oh, my word. <laughs> Can you believe this? Because when he poured that hot stuff on it, on that hot skillet, mm-hmm. It just sizzled, and it kind of melted the brownie and the, and the ice cream and, and the sauce. And you knew you'd made a good decision. Oh, individually, none of the ingredients were that great, but collectively. You combine them. 
kind of like marriage, right? Look at you bring it back around. Can you believe that? What a smooth. <laughs> that was smooth. So let me ask you this. People come in your office. They sit down in these chairs across from your desk. They look at you and they say, we have lost the spark. We hear that phrase all the time. Mm -hmm. People say it. We just lost the spark. It's not there anymore. In your experience, what's usually the root of the problem? i got to go back again to the issue of long-term commitment. Marriage comes in seasons, and there are hot seasons where the spark is just about to drive both of you nuts. Mm -hmm. And then there's cold seasons. you got to get through the season, whatever you're in. And your commitment has to be more than just the spark. It's got to be the commitment to get through the cold season to get to the hot season. And those come around in cycles and in stages of life. Our spark right now is different than it was when we were in our 20s. Mm -hmm. Okay? But it's still there. But we have to continue to cultivate that. If all I'm going to do is sit around and complain about there's no spark, all I'm going to do is be as a cold, complaining person. I got to stoke the fire. I've got to fuel the fire. I've got to work the fire. I've got to love my wife the way she knows that I really care about her, that communicates to her her value to me, how much I cherish mm -hmm. her. And I got to do that over the long haul. And a lot of times that spark comes and goes, but that commitment stays con consistent. And then whenever the spark goes, it's going to come again, mm -hmm. right? Just because it's gone for a season doesn't mean it's gone for forever. Yeah, mm -hmm. unless I think i got to go find a spark somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Then I have broken the covenant trust in my marriage, and I may have sacrificed that trust over the long haul. And many times trust is gone. It's almost, it's very difficult to rebuild that once mm -hmm. it's been gone. Mm -hmm. So if the spark's not there, don't go look at someplace else. Mm -hmm. Stay the course. It'll come back. You stay where you're at. Just be consistent. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that doesn't sound romantic. Mm -mm. And that's what I was going to say. It doesn't necessarily even sound life-changing, but it's exactly what you said. When you get to the 40-year mark... And you look back on those 40 years, yeah. and while every single moment is not amazing, the sum total of them all exactly. are. Yes. Mm -hmm. So you're how long in? Eight years. Just think. You got 33 more years, and you're going to be old and gray like me. Mm -hmm. Just think about it. Have a white beard like you. Yes, have a white beard like me. <laughs> uh, but I do know you talked about how you communicate. You had to learn how to communicate to Janie, the language that she will hear. So how can we communicate better? What can we do to make sure that we are, you said communication is one of the hardest parts. Right. So what can we do to be better at it? Well, a couple of things that I'm learning through you young folk. Social media is the worst way to communicate in the history of the world. I would agree with you. Okay. Uh, so here's what we have learned together. We both had to learn to listen before we speak. And James talks about being slow to anger, quick to listen, right? Mm -hmm. I have to learn to keep my mouth shut. You and, and me both, nuthead. And listen to my wife and understand that 70% of communication probably is nonverbal. I have to be able to look into her eyes. I have to see her body language. I have to watch her face. I have to understand what's going on at that moment in her day, what's been collectively going on for the week, and... I have to listen to her heart, not to her words. 
And for men especially, that is a skill you have to learn. It's not something that comes natural to us. And we have to get on that other side of our self in order to cultivate and learn that. And for me, it was learning how to listen. Because my wife knew early on in our marriage, when she would talk to me, she could watch my eyes and know that I was waiting for her to take a breath to tell her how to fix the problem. And she knew I wasn't hearing her. And she had to teach me, just be quiet. And so I think, especially for men, is learning how to be quiet and not rush to solve the problem or win the day. Those are the things in communication that I had to learn that kind of, I hope, have made me a better listener today than I was 30 years ago. I know even with Ryan, it's so funny you said it that way, that you were already formulating your answer. Because I know with Ryan, I'd do the same thing. Like if we are in the middle of a conversation, I've already moved past what he said and come up with my answer. And I'm just waiting to be able to say back what I want to say back, whether we're in a disagreement or not. Right. I've, you know, I'll hear the first part of it and then I'm ready with a response. Half the time I'm interrupting what he's saying. I am a very bad interrupter. I don't know why in the world I have a podcast because I'm the queen of it, but I struggle with that. Well, see, and when you, when we do that to each other, we move it to a competitive field and we, we start keeping score mm-hmm. and then it becomes destructive. I'm going to win this not, I'm going to hear you. Mm-hmm. And that's just a train wreck. And then you do that, and then you walk away going, well, I guess I showed him. Mm-hmm. And he walks away going, I guess she showed me. And then that conflict lays there, Lives there. until the next time, and he comes back and says, okay, I'm going to win this day. And then it starts the cycle Because you're building again. on what happened previously. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we're going to learn these things about each other, like if we are going to figure out what makes the other one tick and how we can have these conversations in a healthy way and resolve things in a healthy way, what are some of the best ways to learn about the other person? I know it's hard, especially with kids, but regularly scheduled time where you're focusing just on the other person for the purpose of communication and hearing and not for the purpose of working on something together or something about the kids Mm -hmm. or something. But I guess it's the old, it's too cliched, but it's true. Make sure you're scheduling time for each other where you're investing in each other and not just getting to the next thing. Well, truthfully, we hear it. I know people gave me that advice over and over, especially when we had kids. You're going to go on dates. You need to go on dates. And I heard it and I was like, yeah, that's fine. We can do that. That's fine. And there are times when Ryan and I will look back and we'll think we've just been out together, just the two of us, maybe a few weeks prior, and it had been months. But it's just you lose track of time if you're not intentional about going ahead and scheduling it. Well, and the whole dating mindset makes that a mess. Because before you got married, dating was, it wasn't an accurate picture. You're always presenting somebody you weren't on some level, right? Well, when you're married, you're not doing that. You spend time together. I think maybe dating label we need to throw away for married people. Sure. Maybe we need to come up with a new tagline that says, okay, this is our us time, where we just focus on communication and just loving each other. And it's it's not for any other purpose. And take the whole date thing off of it, because I think there's so many negative things that come with that whole single dating thing. And there's almost kind of pressure with the term dating. Like when we go out, it has to be great. 
because we don't get to do this a lot. So if we go out together on this date, then it's got to be special. And yeah. I've got to make sure that I don't actually bring anything up that could cause any sort of real hard conversation. That is super valid. I've not thought about that. And even to the point of saying, okay, we need some time together. And w- when we're together, we need to deal with A and B. Mm-hmm. Or I need you to hear me on this. Mm-hmm. And so, again, those kind of things where you... It's deeper than dating when you were single. Absolutely. Because why? Because there's that covenant relationship going on. Mm-hmm. So You said that relationships are seasonal. Marriage is seasonal. There's the ins and the outs. So for each season of life, especially while you're married, what's some of your best advice? So for newlyweds, for raising kids, for empty nests, after kids, what's some of the best advice you have for those stages? Well, I think for parents, what we just talked about is the best advice I can give because again and again, I've had couples come in and sit down and they got married. They started having a family. He got involved in a career. Maybe she had a career. The kids started demanding all of their resources, time, Mm -hmm. money, energy, all of those things. And they go 18 years with kids, 20 years with kids. And then the kids are gone and they look at each other and go, who are you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I like you. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not sure I have the energy to get to know you. I think you have to work at that as you go through the parenting season and not lose that couple thing Be as you're going through it. Plus, mm-hmm. that's how your kids learn how to do healthy Absolutely. Right? By and you just don't you. realize it until you're an adult. Yeah. You really don't. You yeah. don't get it until you're an adult and you see the impact it's had. Yeah. So that's the thing about that season. For newlyweds, get through the first year yep. without killing each other. Mm-hmm. Because, wait a minute, you wake up in the morning and you do what? Yep. Right? It was hard to get used to. Yes, boys, it is. boys are gross. And well, that first couple, you those women first couple got years, your deals too, you no, know? we don't. Oh, N- listen, nothing's as as bad as having to clean a toilet right after you get married. I'll tell you that right now. Well, that's probably true. <laughs> yeah, that's if fair. I were, yeah, I okay, I got that. <laughs> that's a picture that won't go away now. You're welcome. You're yeah, welcome. thank you. So that first, those first few years, just be flexible. I mean, yes. just yes. learn the ebb and flow. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be like your mom and dad's. It's going to be your all's. Exactly. And whatever your all's is within the boundaries of the character of God, right? Whatever your all's stuff is, is your all's. It's not good or bad. It's just what it is. Deal with it. What's the most encouraging thing you can do for your spouse? My wife is a hopeless romantic. Not hopeless. That's a bad word. I'm sorry. <laughs> My wife is an eternal romantic. Mm-hmm. She has said from day one that we were destined to— No matter what, you were going to end up together. Yes. Before Mm -hmm. we were together, we were destined to be together. Mm -hmm. My response to that is, once I said I do to God and you, you became my one and only. Mm -hmm. I've got to get on her side of that to get out of my comfort zone and be that romantic for her. And I'll confess to you, I don't do it well enough. But when I do, it thrills her soul. Mm Mm-hmm. Just like the roses, the unexpected showing of love. Yes. Absolutely. And I think the biggest thing is I have to sacrifice my self-interest to get on that side of things to love her that way. And your comfort. I mean, you spoke a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's comfortable for me to get in a rut and stay in it for the next 20 years. Mm -hmm. 
My wife is spontaneous. She's sparkly. She's creative. I tend to be none of those things. So I got to go do. You got to become those things. Yes. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Why? That's a way that I can sacrificially love her by putting her ahead of me in that way. And it takes a lot. When it goes really, really well, Callie, it's when I obey the Holy Spirit like I did with the flowers. He told me to do that. And again, that goes back to what you said about making sure your relationship with Jesus is the priority it needs to be and that you are growing in that because that's going to free you up. Yeah. The Spirit is new and fresh every day. Mm -hmm. Well, my wife loves new and fresh love. He's pouring new and fresh love into me daily, right? The grace of God is overflowing into my life all the time. He's going to show me how to do that with my wife in a ways that only she gets. Why? Because he knit her together in her mother's womb. He's known her since the foundation of the world. He's intimate with her in ways that I can't imagine. And if I listen to him, he'll say, Don, do this. Mm-hmm. What? Just do what I tell you, son. Right? She's blessed and I'm grown. That's a pretty good deal. And it truly is, you know, like you said, learning the language that she needs to hear. And I know you don't have to wait 40 years to figure that out. Even with Ryan, we're eight years in. And yeah, I didn't know it the first couple of years, but I slowly learned that the language he needs is quality time. Mm. He needs me to just want to go everywhere with him. Like, especially yeah. on the weekends, if he's going to the dump, he wants me and the kids to ride with him. Yeah. One of the most loving things you could do for your husband is go to Lowe's with him. Right. And listen, I don't really want to. Right. I don't. I don't like it. I don't want to go to the dump. I don't. The kids don't like being in the car. It causes me stress. But he loves it. He loves when we're all together going and doing something. And I slowly just figured out the language that he needed me to speak. I could see it in the way he responded to what I did. He had the strongest reactions when I would stop whatever I was doing to listen to what he wanted to say to me. Yes. He had the strongest reactions when, no, I didn't really want to go to the dump. But I said, yeah, we'll go. And that's how I figured out. This is how he knows I love him. This is how he knows I care and that I'm going to do. It's not comfortable for me. There's a million things I'd rather be doing, but I'll stop and do this because it's what you need. And it's just paying attention. That's how you figure the languages out is just see what makes them light up and do those things. You know, so the best quality time I get with Janie is going shopping with her. Just follow her around. Yeah. (laughs) We spent two hours in at home the other weekend. That causes me anxiety. I can't spend two hours in any one location. Okay, have you ever been to at home? I have, and it overwhelms me. Just like Hobby Lobby does. I can only pick one section of Hobby Lobby at a time. Well, we just went aisle to aisle to aisle to aisle to aisle. I looked at probably 10,837 different colors of candles. I thought you were going to say throw pillows because they got a lot of throw pillows. <laughs> but I've learned that's a great way for me to get time with Janie. Doing you just had to pay loves. attention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, all I got to do is get her to go do something I want to do. We'll be good. What do you want her to go do? Just watch a ball game once in our marriage. (laughs) Go to the game or just watch it on TV? Just watch it on TV from start to finish. Can she read a book while it's on? No. Oh, come on. That's the middle ground. She'll be present with you. And discuss it with me. You might, you know, here's the deal. She'll do that one time and ask so many questions that you'll decide you don't ever want that to happen again. Oh, that would be heaven. 
<laughs> All right. We wrap up every episode. And I think you might have already given away your no one told me. It sounds like it might be the brownie. But what's one thing you're so happy someone told you about? Well, the brownie would be one. But grandchildren. Kaylee, it is. Jonah, and Noah. Jonah's our two-year-old yesterday at church. Felt something behind me. And he had seen me and ran across the lobby and come up behind me and went, Paul, that's really good stuff mm-hmm. right there. And then he got up my arms, and he, he wanted to go into the worship center in between services. And we just went in. He held my finger. We went in and walked around. That's, yeah, that's Best. good. Do you think part of it, this just hit me while you are saying that, when you're in the throes of raising your own kids— you don't really slow down enough to think this is special. These are moments I want back. You're just trying to make it. Yeah. But then when you're a grandparent, you've had all this experience and this life, and you you know how special that season is. And so with your grandkids, it's different. I got one more to share. Absolutely. About a year and a half ago, Noah and I, he was at the house, and it was a day where he couldn't get out and play, and he was going kind of bonkers. I said, come on, we're going on an adventure. It was right after Rule King had opened in halls. Mm-hmm. Ooh. That was another place so, Ryan made me go. So we, we go to Rule King. He gets in the cart and we drive around and spend about an hour and a half. He gets to play with chicks mm-hmm. and rabbits and all these things. Then we come back out Emory Road and stop at Chick fil A and he goes in and gets to play in the playground. And I'm sitting there holding his, sitting at the table watching him. And we get in the car and leave. And uh, he gets buckled in. And we start down the road. And he goes, Paul, best day ever. Oh, that's so great. They ain't nothing can top that, mm-hmm. right? No. So it's coming, Callie. It is. I don't right? know. I'm trying to remember to enjoy the ages they are right now because I want to remember. I don't want to get stuck in the chaos of this season. I want to settle in this season for a little bit. Yeah. Because when it's gone, I'm going to want it back so bad. I yes. know that. But then I do kind of look forward to uh, being able to give kids back to someone else so I can go home and sleep. Yes. I very much look forward to That's that. That's the other perfect child of <laughs> parenthood. Here. Yeah. Bye. It's, we can take them home. Get them out of my house. Yep. Here, have some more sugar. <laughs> well, Nuthead, your wisdom. I mean, I know that you uh, might hear this often, but I am so thankful for the insight that you pour into the lives of other people and that you realize that we need people to speak into us to figure out what we're doing. That's the point of this whole podcast. And thank you for being one of the first fellas on the podcast. You're, those are big shoes to fill. It is an honor that I will treasure for the rest of my life. I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review, or... You can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C-E-Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.